oldest sister, who I love dearly, um, we found out had um, pancreatic cancer. Um, and that was something that had never hit my family. Um, we had her for about eight months. And during that time, I mean, having been a nurse, I mean, I've nursed I don't know how many people and worked on cancer units and I'd done so much before, but to be on the other side is a totally different viewpoint, a totally different picture. I know where she went. There's no, no doubt of that, no doubt of that at all. Uh, Debbie loved the Lord, and I know He loved her, and I know I'll see her again. What I didn't understand was her suffering. Yeah. Um, and during that time, I became so angry with mm. God um, that I really, I really pushed back and said, I don't know. And then my life from that point kind of became a whole lot like Job. <laughs> Although instead of a whole lot of suddenlies, it happened about one event a year, um, but I was barely able to catch my breath and start to, to heal and come to terms with things with, with my sister um, and um, my, my father-in-law passed away um, and so we, we lost him. Um, and at that same time, my mother had become ill, and we almost lost her uh, during this very same. I was going, had one in one county hospital and the other in another hospital, wow. and was running back and forth between hospitals and trying to, to figure out what was wrong. And uh, with my mother, we weren't even sure. Um, and it got to the point even with her, it was like, Lord, if you're not going to heal her, then, you know, heal her ultimately and take her because this is this can't go on um, and he chose to heal her and let us know what was wrong and, and got her treated unfortunately it meant that she couldn't live alone anymore so she was gonna have to go to the nursing home and the day of pop's funeral we put my mom in a nursing home I was at the funeral and my sister was putting taking care of my mother um, and then trying to help her through that transition still grieving my sister, still grieving my father-in-law, uh, my mother being extremely angry with me. A lot of the medication side effects caused a lot of cognitive issues. Um, so there was a lot of anger on her part. Um, and, and my daughter graduated high school and went, moved away to college and I had, a, I had an empty nest. <laughs> it all came rapidly. It came rapidly. About 11 months later, um, the biggest blow came, and I found out my husband was having an affair, and he had made plans to leave, and his plans were discovered. 26-year marriage fell apart. Uh, a line in, in the song says, when the world that I had built came crashing down at my feet, that's pretty much where I was. My world imploded. Um, except for Jesus. And even when I was angry, um, He was still there. Even when I was outside railing at Him, outside my sister's home, you know, He was there. Um, when I was crying at the funeral home, 
he was there. When I left my mother in tears because in her confusion she was furious with me, he was there. Um, and I didn't always feel it, didn't always know it. Yeah. But he was, he was there. Well, good morning again. Can we just celebrate Shirley and her courage and sharing? Thank you, Shirley. Just at the end of that video, we love the statement, he was there. You know, it's the power of Jesus in our life. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about when we approached this series is my prayer and my hope is for each of you that God would move from a good idea um, and somebody you read about and hear about um, to somebody you have a day-to-day -day relationship with, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you can draw near to, that um, there may be moments you just see no way out of a difficulty. There may be no way you can even think of moving forward, but you know who to call in that moment. It's so important that you and I recognize that in the difficult, in the grief, and in the pain, we have what Scripture says, a helper. That Jesus didn't abandon us when he uh, resurrected and he ascended into heaven. No, he was faithful and he said, listen, it's to my advantage that I go so that the one the Father promised can come. And that is the Holy Spirit. And we believe that it's so important you know, for each of us that we walk in a relationship with God where we know him and can hear him and can experience him. And your story, you may have sprinkled throughout your life something similar to what Shirley journeyed through. Can I tell you, you're in the right place. Nobody's here just by accident or haphazardly. There's truth in what was shared. And the beautiful thing is if you do call Hillside home or you will be calling Hillside home, We've given you some great people to talk to. <laughs> Shirley this week, Josh last week, and next week we'll have another couple. And can I tell you, we need each other in our journey with God. There's nothing worse than, than, than you know, dancing with myself, right? We know, I'm not going to sing it, but you're familiar with the song. Made for a great song. But when you're dancing by yourself, you look funny, man. Church by yourself Doing life as an island is not what we're called to. We're called to do life together. Come on, just turn to your neighbor really quick and tell him you're in the right place. Come on, just tell him right now. You're in the right place. You're right. Huh. And now turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm not sure. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Don't. <laughs> All right, well, today uh, we continue. There was... Jesus. There was Jesus. Loosely uh, based off, loosely tethered to that song that Zach Williams wrote uh, uh, along with Dolly Parton. Powerful, powerful song. And it is the truth. It is the reality. Not only there was Jesus, there is Jesus for your life. And one of the things you got to recognize is um, you are the only, in some instances, the only Bible anyone will ever read. And your story may not be the same as Shirley's, may not be the same as Josh's that we heard last week. But let me say this loud and clear. Your story is vital. Yeah. 
And sometimes one of the traps of the enemy before we share with others, before we offer hope, is we kind of don't know and have all the pieces together. Let me tell you what the greatest piece is. It's your story. It's your experience. Because if you haven't noticed, people will debate this book all day long. But one thing they cannot debate is a life transformed, is a heart changed, alive in Christ that's bearing fruit. Last week, we looked at Jesus as Savior. Today, I'm going to spend a few moments talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Just think about that. Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Every human interaction Jesus had with others brought peace. Now, in the supernatural, the demons couldn't stand it, right? When Jesus showed up, they couldn't handle it. But when humanity encountered Christ... They experienced peace. God has given us this opportunity in our relationship with God to walk in the peace that comes from God. John 14, 27, you perhaps have heard this verse before, but it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus would say, I give you. He gives it. He gives it to us. And he says, I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Right up there, kind of in in my top 10 list of what I believe the next generation and honestly our culture needs to hear is that Jesus offers peace. He offers peace. Part of the byproduct of an abiding relationship with God is peace. It's just part of how we're wired. Part of how God called for us to do life is to do life in peace. In fact, I like to encourage people. Sometimes when you're navigating a decision or you're navigating life, I'm sure you've done this, right? When there is no peace, you pause, right? That's worth your time of day right there, right? Sometimes when there is no peace, you pause. Now, I'm not saying when you're afraid. No, sometimes by faith, you just got to do some things afraid. But I'm talking about that inner peace. When there is no peace, you pause, and that's one of the things we recognize in our, in our relationship with God. I want to bring a story to mind, and then I want to unpack some truths for you today. So Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 39. Mark chapter 4, the gospel of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and 39. Jesus is in the boat asleep. Him and his disciples are on mission. They're making their journey across the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. That's the story. In and of itself, it's worth your contemplation. (laughs) That story, take those verses with you into this week. Pray through them. I encourage you, read them. Let them get drafted into your heart so that when a circumstances rise up, right, instead of some four-letter language or, you know, screaming into your pillow, 
Not that I'd know what any of those things look like, but just hypothetically, right? Instead of wanting to lash out, let it enter, feel that, but let it stop at the gateway of your heart, knowing this verse. I mean this. This verse is critical for your relationship with God. It's not just the story. It's not just hypothetical. It's not just a good history lesson. It is the power of God in and over our life. And Jesus is there asleep in the midst of the storm. He has to be waking, waking up. <laughs> I mean, his earplugs have to come out, right? A cup of coffee has to come in. You know, uh, let, let me wash my face off. Okay, now I'm ready. And, and they say, listen, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're going down? I mean, are, are you unaware? I love Jesus. Oh, you have little faith, you know. Of course I'm aware. Give me a minute. He walks over and he just says, peace, be still. And a calm came over the waters. Can I tell you, as we just grow and mature as adults, it, 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 it often happens that there is an answer we see to the storms of life. That there is a process to getting out of the difficulty we're in. And we can be tempted to do things in our own strength. But I encourage you, pray first. Pray first. Every storm of life, pray. Every, every hazard, every difficulty, every unmet expectation, pray first. Invite God into the midst of the storm. Love that picture. May it be before our hearts and before our minds. And I love, as Shirley was sharing in the, in the disappointments, in the, in the valleys of life, in the wave after wave, I mean... Referencing that season of life as Job, pulling on Job's story. If you've not read the account of Job, be warned. Don't read it right before going to bed, okay? You know, it's like reading Ecclesiastes before bed or Lamentations. Nah, get those in the morning, all right? But when you read the story of Job, it is profound. It is profound, his experience. And as Shirley was saying, man, it just, it just felt like almost on a dime every year something big was taking place. I want you to remember what she said. Reflect on what she said at the end. Even while I was screaming at God, Jesus was there. You know, God can put up with your pain. The most important thing is that you draw near, that you draw close to him and hear his words of compassion and his words of peace. I am Going to, going to shift a little bit, and I want to I kind of lay out for us the process of peace in our walk with God. I'm going to pretend you don't know what I'm about to share, so you just kind of nod, nod along and give me some, wow, that's interesting looks as we go, okay? But here, here's the deal. I want to share... That, that it, it, I, want, I want to share a little bit of what's taking place on the inside and how God works in us and through us to bring peace into every area of our life. Those of you who've ever gone through the freedom curriculum or those of you that are in the freedom curriculum right now, this is going to look very familiar to you. But I want to talk about peace as spiritual order. I want to just make you aware. Maybe you've been kind of unaware of how God is doing a work. You know he's doing something, but you, you haven't quite been able to see what's taking place in your life. So I want to lay out peace as spiritual order because peace is definitely something we have to partner with God on. 
Paul's writing to the early church, and, and, and he writes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Hear these words. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole, what? Spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. There's spiritual order in that verse. Notice, may the God of peace, may the God of peace obviously touch your spirit, your soul, and your body. Let me give you a little perspective for your life. You are a triune, what's called a triune being. We don't just believe it sounds like a good idea to quote Genesis 127. No, we believe that you are made in the image of God. That you are, you are a triune. There's a holy trinity. You are a triune being. You are made up. There's your spirit. There's your soul. And there's your body. Most of our culture is consumed with our body. They're interested. Navigate a little bit of the soul. And they're unaware of their spirit. God begins with the spirit that infiltrates the soul and that moves in our body. It's the spiritual order of things. And so I want to just share briefly, can we bring up the image with the redeemed, restored, surrendered? So we have a spirit that must be redeemed. We have a soul that must be restored, and we have a body that must be surrendered. Think about that's part of the work. That's part of the process of God bringing peace into your life, right? Have you noticed that sometimes you just can't pray everything away? If you can, please email me. I want you on our prayer team. But sometimes you just can't pray everything away. Like, just, just pray it. Now, that's important to pray first. Don't misread any of that. But when I say pray first, I mean feed your spirit first. Feed your spirit. Invite the spirit into the circumstance. Get God's perspective. Get God's eye view. Then what happens is our emotions know how they're supposed to go. That leads to our body operating in the way it should. Oftentimes, though, we... we have unrest and notice it in our body and our day-to-day interactions. And we're just like, well, how did that happen? Nothing ever goes my way. You ever have said that? Don't raise your hand, right? You know, people in your life are like, nothing ever goes my way. Nothing, nothing good ever happens to me. What, what's with all these happy people? Why do they have to praise God every Sunday? Why, you know, and... and Let's be honest, sometimes our circumstances are dictating the state of our soul that's infiltrating our spirit so that we can reach a point, right? We had a vibrant walk with God for a decade, a decade and a half. Do you think overnight we just suddenly, I don't believe in God? People never just, I don't believe in God, arrive at that. No, what has happened is the body encounters, if you will, experiences of life, the difficulties of life have infiltrated the soul, and then what has happened, it's begun to disconnect in the spirit because they're leading the wrong way. 
They need to be leading. We're encouraged and invited to lead with our spirit that influences our soul, that influences our ball, so, uh, our body. So let me, let, me, let me share this. So we have our spirit. If you were here with us last week or you're familiar, if you're saved, all right, if you've born again, if you are set free from sin, right, as Jesus came to set us free, to save us while we were in our sin, what happened in that moment is your spirit, 100% somebody, made whole. Hear me loud and clear. Scripture calls that justified. Those of you who read the Freedom Book, you know the quote, just as if I never did it. That's why we're singing. That, that, that second song, if you've never in cry, encountered the power of grace, singing about the blood of Jesus is a little weird. But if you've encountered grace, you understand the power of redemption and that the blood of Jesus has broken the stronghold of sin over your life. And what happens in that moment can be as simple as a prayer. Sometimes it can be as simple as you're hearing a song on the radio and the, the tears just start streaming down. And in that moment, God has shifted your heart from lost to found, broken to healed, unforgiven to forgiven. What was that? Was that just a good song? No. It was the Spirit of God coming alive in you, saving you, the blood of Jesus covering the multitude of sin. And in that moment, we believe, saved, born again. It's good to go. But how many of you have noticed? You ain't perfect yet. All right, everybody look at me. Don't look at your spouse in this moment, somebody. Just, just, like, allow them to embrace the shock of that statement, all right? Let me say it again. You aren't perfect yet. But here's what we've been invited to. We've been invited to our spirit beginning to move into our soul. One more verse on the spirit side of things. Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14. Let me move swiftly with this. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. It's the victory that we have, that you and I walk in. But here's what's amazing. Many people in their Christian walk push the big old pause button. They say, man, I'm saved. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. But guess what? Man, this one time I got saved. I love that. That's awesome. But are you not only aware of justification, have you ever heard of sanctification? Sanctification is vital to our walk. You're like, wait, did we just switch to seminary? No, sanctification is an important word for you to be familiar with. It is the outworking, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your soul, and in your body. That's why, listen, day one of your walk with Christ, you're not necessarily perfect. There are some things that God did and is doing, and there may be some addictions, some strongholds, that in that moment, they gone. But for others, there's a fumbling forward. Welcome to the party. You're in a good place. They, you just keep fumbling forward. In your walk with God, allow, you keep, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just keep showing up. 
Just showing up to church, yes, but showing up in your relationship with God. Like this, this Bible plan is doing nothing for me. I don't care. Just keep showing up. How about you finish the Bible plan? How about it's day 28, not day two, that God wants to speak to you and you gave up too early? I'm just saying. So what do you do? You just keep fumbling forward, keep making mistakes. But here's what happens. You just keep aware of the generosity of our Heavenly Father. Don't take it for granted. Just keep showing up. Keep moving forward. And slowly but surely, here's the beautiful thing. It begins to infiltrate your day-to-day living. So that 5, 10, 15 years down the line, you're a totally new person. You're a totally new person. Now, what happened? Your spirit is totally new. You're made whole. But here's where you and I partner with God. We allow for our spirit that has been redeemed. Here's the good news. We allow for our spirit to be redeemed, and now our soul begins to be restored. Psalm 23, one of our favorite psalms, right? Verse 3. I spent, it seems like a decade, but it's probably six months to a year, on the first part of Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. Part of God's work in our lives is he wants to bring peace, hear me, peace to the broken places of our soul. He wants to bring peace to the broken places of our soul. Our soul, think on this, right? It's our mind, it's our will, and that's our emotions. Can we bring that slide up? It's our mind, it's our will, and that's our emotions. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a big deal. Wait, is that seriously how convinced you are right now? Come on. This is a big deal. Come on. All right. Our mind, which thinks and reasons that any given day, you subconsciously and consciously make over 30,000 decisions every day. Your will. Makes choices. That's the decision-making part of you, right? You cannot. Come on. Let's, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. You cannot, in all transparency and honesty, look at somebody in your life and say, the devil made me do it. All right? Up till about five, that can work. But beyond that, your soul, somebody, made you do that. <laughs> all right? The part that makes choices, and here's the biggest thing, our emotions. That's where we believe, it's where we feel, and it's where we remember. It is so pivotal in our walk with God that the Spirit infiltrates our soul. Listen, trauma has a lasting impact in your soul. Abuse has a lasting impact in your soul. The broken places, the sideways conversations, the the guilt-driven home life you had, or the absentee and fear of abandonment that you carry, it's carried in our soul. We have to slow down, daily slow down, and allow for the Spirit of God to heal our soul. It's the peace of God. We talked about Simon Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. <clears throat> One of the most important conversations in the Bible, I believe, is had with Simon Peter after the resurrection. 
Simon Peter, along with all the disciples, their souls are twisted. They're so grieved and disappointed. Then Jesus shows up with the first few words being, peace be with you. And then a few days continue, and one of Jesus' closing moments in John is he has a, a breakfast on the beach with the disciples. And he restores Peter, who is so ashamed. Remember, he denied Christ three times. And Jesus asks him three times some pivotal questions. And it's, it's a strange way. It's a bit of a mysterious way, but we see what's happening is what does God do? He restores Peter to his calling. See, a couple years earlier, Jesus had looked at Peter and said, hey, upon this rock, I will build my church. But then life happened. Can I tell you, some of you have the calling of God on your life. And then life happened. Some of you, when you were in junior high or even elementary school, man, there was no other place you'd rather be than in the presence of God, youth group, loving Jesus, living for him. And then life happened. And you've spent, listen, you may have spent a decade blaming the devil. Don't give him credit for maybe some mistakes you made. But here's the beautiful thing. God wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. He wants to redeem your life from the clutches of the evil one. And so don't be surprised that when you make one step forward with Christ, all the hounds of hell are accusing you of your past. So what's he wanting to do? God's wanting to, not God, the, the enemy's wanting to shut you down from moving into all that God has for you. He can't do it in his spirit. Your spirit is changed. It's transformed. Where does he do it? The battleground of the soul, our will, our emotions, the mind games, right? You, you've heard Joyce Meyer, the, her book, The Battlefield of the Mind, right? Because <laughs> the biggest battle is between here and here. It's what we tell ourselves. And I encourage you to read books on the love of God to read books on the hope of God, to read books on the peace of God. There needs to be a season of life where you lean into just how loved by God you are. And what happens in that moment is the healing of God begins to take it and and impact and influence our soul. And he begins, really, he begins to set us free from the wages of sin and death. So our soul, I mean, it's pretty important, right? Our mind, which thinks and reasons, our our will and our emotions. And one of the traps of the enemy in our culture today, the 40-hour work week was never enough, so it becomes the 50, 60, 70-hour work week. And your soul, it can't keep up. Your life can't keep up. You know, and, 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 and the work of God in your life, it, it, it needs some quiet. It needs some peace. Parent, you know that beautiful window? About 8, 8.30 when the kids are asleep? Come on, somebody. It's the be- Sometimes it's the best part of the day, just depending on how your day went. I don't know. Your kids are perfect. I get that, but I'm just saying. It's that... It's that quiet, it's that the quiet, the still waters. Listen, enjoy that time, catch up on the winter soldier, 
whatever your thing is. I almost did a squirrel and was like, can we talk about the end of season four or episode four, but we don't need to do that. So enjoy that time, quiet. But can I tell you, it's in, in those places, in those moments of life, that so often we bring in entertainment, we engage in distraction. It's just a part of who we are. I love those sorts of things. But it's so important that we slow down somewhere in the day and let God speak to our soul, begin to heal the difficult places. I love the phrase, after Jesus' baptism, our Father said to him, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There is a Christianity that says, Man, I can't wait to make it to heaven to hear God tell me, Behold, my Son, in whom I am well pleased. You can enjoy that Christianity, and it does a lot of good. But I believe here and now, what God's whispering over your soul, behold, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And we, and we want to push back when we were like, man, were you with me last night? Did, did you see how I reacted on the drive into church? Did, I mean, did you, were you there? And God's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And there's nothing you can do to refrain me from loving you holy. Holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Because God loves you. It's not, it's not, again, limited. It's unlimited in his care and his hope and his future towards you. And so the spirit of God. Now, I'm not, you know, now sometimes when we say the spirit impacts the soul, sometimes people interpret that as, oh, okay, cool, behavior modification gospel, like the gospel of sin management. Like God's just wanting to try to get you to behave a certain way. That's another stream of Christianity. And it could do a lot of good. And it can totally mess up generations. But that's a, another message another time. Why not understand that God right now where you are with what you bring to the table is enthralled with you. He's got a place at the table. He's got a robe. He's got a ring. He's got a new set of sandals. So if we can let the spirit of God infiltrate the soul, it begins to work its way out into the body, who we are, that we see our bodies, right? You've kind of, if you ever grew up in youth group, man, you know the youth pastor gets up there and he's like, don't you know, I did this as a youth pastor, it went over great, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? And they're like, yes, hormones, but yes, you know, you're like, don't you know you're, you know, and we get it going, and they're just like, oh, what about God loves you so much? He has what's best for you. Follow his ways. They lead to life, less regret, less guilt, less shame. He can clothe you in a new purity that from this day forward, you abandon the old way of living, and you step into a greater level of intimacy and hope with him, and it's rooted in his love for us. It's a beautiful part that our bodies become affected. Not just the physical skin, right? It's, it's what everybody gets from us. It's what everybody, it's our interactions. It's our day-to-day living, the, 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 the calls on the phone. You know, it's, 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 it's the office workers who, are, who avoid us, who avoid you, the office, okay. Your co-workers who, 
who just, they, they need space. They need to, all of a sudden, they notice a change taking place. Like, what's up? What's going on? And you begin to share. Man, I, Jesus seduced me, showed me how much he loves me, told me I can be made new. Gosh, can you believe it? Well, oh, I, I can. Why did you get, you gave up what? Yeah, I got this cross thing. It's, it's, it's working wonders. What? What? Yeah, I, I, the idols of the world, I don't want anything to do with them now because I'm in love with God. And it's changing everything, transforming me from the inside out. That's part of what we're talking about is that <clears throat> peace be still. The testimony surely shared was not, hey, I followed Jesus, so it's easy. Everything's great. It's nothing but a mountaintop. No, it was even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when I have regret and remorse. Jesus was there, and he is the prince of peace. And that is what God does in and through our lives, is that we can experience that Every day, every day, two encouragements. Can we bring those up real quick? I'm just two encouragements. I alluded to fumbling forward, but the first, that's a little bit for you on your day, what you have access to. Position yourself in God's presence through scripture reading, prayer, and worship. I want to tell you, change your life. Second, position yourself in God's community, the local church. We may be it. We may be your local church, but I can promise you, I've driven down some roads here. We're not short on churches. There is one for you, somebody. And I want to encourage you, find a local body of believers and go all in. Kick the tires for a season, but then go all in. And it's, it's called iron sharpens iron. You begin to get carried. You begin to get spoken words of encouragement. You come in on a bad day. Somebody there to listen, to hear, to pray for you. It changes the game of life. Those are my encouragements. That's, that's my little equip moment. What should I do next? Read your Bible. <laughs> Pray. Get in God's presence. Let it transform your life. And then get in a local body of believers. Change the game. All right, let's pray. We're going to close. God, thank you again that you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, I thank you that peace is a promise you keep. Peace is the promise you keep over our lives. And Father, right now we give our hearts again, Lord, to you. And we pray, God, for your peace to strengthen us. Your, your peace to hold us, God. You're to take us from where we are to where you've called for us to be, God. We've got to be aligned. Father, we've got to be aligned. And for some of us, God, we have. Man, there, there are days we, we're, we're all guilty of that, God. But if we've, been, if we've been living for the body first, trying to solve our soul issues with our body, God, we, we recognize that. And we thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness. We repent of that, Lord. We want to be people who let our spirits, through your Holy Spirit, bring healing to our soul. And so, Father, thank you right now for your mercy that just covers all of our sin. 
Thank you for the work you're doing in our midst. Finally, just in this moment of prayer, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I want to let you know, in this moment, you can be saved. You can be saved. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have all the mysteries of the Bible. You don't have to have your circumstances perfect. You don't have to try to clean up your act. You don't have to change your social media profile before you make this decision. You don't have to delete some things online. No, in the moment, in the moment, right now, hear me tell you, you can be saved. Hear the heart of God towards you. He loves you. He's always loved you. He will get to the questions later. For right now, he wants you to encounter his love and his hope. We believe here at Hillside, it's a prayer away. And you, right now in this moment, you can say that prayer. Surrender your life. Give your past over to him. Trust him with your future. He loves you. Come on, if you need that prayer, say these words with me. God, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I need you. I call you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for setting me free. And I invite you into my heart, into every arena and area of my life. I surrender my life to you. God, you get all of me, and I'm so grateful now I get all of you. Thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.